like it would Absolutely. be insane. No, you said it. I mean, they they are that can happen. You know, I I don't I think you're right on. You know, just how it how the board falls. You know, on draft day. Yeah, doing this on the table. Wide receiver for Cincinnati Bengals. Y'all looking for a football podcast to check out? You gotta go get it. Big Mouth Small Words Sport Talk. You gotta go in there. So listen to them. Big Mouth Small Words Sports Talk. We back, baby. Another episode. Let's go. Oh, let us go indeed. Welcome, everybody, once again to the most must-hear podcast, Big Mouth Small Words Sports Talk. Now, obviously, I went over day one of the draft. A lot of crazy things happened, a lot of good things. But now I've got to go over day two, and I'm not going to go over rounds four to seven. I'm just not. I'm sorry. I'm not getting that in depth. But I am going to give you day two. I'm going to give you rounds two and three. We're going to talk about it. We're going to figure out what we thought of each team and how they are moving forward. But first, I got to give a shout out to my favorite wide receiver of all time, Chad Ochocinco, the man. He'll let you know to kiss the baby. He'll let you know, child, please. (laughs) And I love him. He's the best. He sent me a message. I've got to play it. It made me feel great about life. Man, special shout out to my guy, Patrick Kearns, on a sports podcast called Big Mouth, Small Words. First order of business, due to the success that you are having, you got to bring me on. You got to bring me on because I do have a big mouth, but I use big words. But nonetheless, great content. I love you, man. Keep up the good work, all right? Salute. My man, Chad. So I'm absolutely going to have him on. It's going to take me a long time to figure out how to give him an intro that's only a minute because (laughs) there's so much great content that he's given us throughout the years. But uh, I'm definitely going to have Chad on. It's going to be a good time. So get ready for that. That's going to be exciting. And if you haven't already, go to at Big Mouth Small Words Podcast on Instagram. You can send me a message that you want me to ask Chad And if I deem it to be good enough, I'm going to do it. And even if it's not good, I might do it anyway. So if you want to ask Chad something, hit me up in the next few days, and I'll see if I can make that happen now. Day two of the draft. Here we go. I'm going to start with the Cardinals. All right? I'm going to start off with the Arizona Cardinals. So day two picks. Day one, they did pretty damn good. The Cardinals gave up their second-round pick in a trade for DeAndre Hopkins, and that's a win. (laughs) so there you go day two they took a guy that I had going in in the beginning I actually had the Bengals going offensive tackle Josh Jones I had him going at number 33 and he goes at number 72 that is a steal if I've ever seen one man Jones is competitive he's powerful man I can't believe he fell that far I don't know why he fell that far, but he did. And that's huge for the Cardinals. They ended up getting the offensive tackle that they needed. They're going to have to protect Kyler. I think they did a great job. They, they did. They did a fantastic job. So the Cardinals, that's a win for free agency so far in my mind. Now I'm going to go then to the Atlanta Falcons. Some people said that they might have reached in day one of the draft But I don't think that they reached on day two. I also think they did what they had to do day one, but to each his own. 
So Marlon Davidson, they took at number 47 overall, Auburn defensive tackle. He, for Auburn, played outside, but he's going to play inside, I would believe, for the Falcons. I think he would be a good compliment to Grady Jared. So I liked that pick. The next pick was Temple Center, Matt Hennessy at number 78. I think there was decent value there. I don't know if he's a day one starter kind of guy, but I don't think they need a day one starter kind of guy. I think they look at what they already have in Alex Mack. I think that they know he's not going to be around forever. So when he's ready to go, I think Hennessy will then be ready to go, if you get what I'm saying there. So overall, I, I like the picks for the Falcons. I think that they had some needs and they addressed them. So that's fine. The Baltimore Ravens. It's not fair how <laughs> it's not fair how good the Ravens are. Um, how do I go over all these? So day one obviously was great. Day two, the Ravens put in some damn work. They started off with Ohio State running back J.K. Dobbins, number 55 overall. Texas A&M defensive tackle Justin Matabuki at number 71. Texas wide receiver Devin DuVernay at number 92. Ohio State linebacker Malik Harrison at number 98, and Mississippi State offensive guard Tyree Phillips at number 106. So the Ravens go running back. I thought they should go DeAndre Swift. That was my pick. They went a different route. They obviously went with J.K. Dobbins. They took him for all the reasons I thought they were going to take DeAndre Swift. Mark Mark Ingram's 30 years old. He's getting old. And I guess they looked at J.K. Dobbins, his ability to get the ball down the field. Maybe they looked at him because he's more powerful of a running back. They wanted more of a Mark Ingram style, which is fine. And Baltimore has a run-heavy system, so that can work. I think Dobbins is pretty decent at catching the ball. I'm not 100%. But overall, I would say this pick was made because they need to protect Lamar Jackson. They need a safety valve. I think the pick's fine. I don't know that Dobbins is better than than Swift. I don't think he is, but that's where they went. So that's what that's that. So Matabuki is a quality defensive lineman, just gives the team more bulk on the inside, so that's fine. You've already got Brandon Williams, Dalen Mack. You've got a bunch of other beasts, so he'll fit in perfectly there. DeVernay is a good slot receiver who can play the Willie Sneed role probably better than him. <laughs> and he's going to compliment Hollywood Brown and Miles Boykin, so that's fine. They then added Tyree Phillips. He's a massive human. Played tackle at Mississippi State, but I think he's obviously going to play guard. And he showed nice value at the Senior Bowl, so I suspect he'll be a good starter. I don't know everything about that guy, but probably a good pick because the Ravens have been doing nothing but making great picks. So... Ravens crushing it. Screw you guys. I hate you, but you did it. (laughs) Um, Buffalo Bills. Day two picks. A lot of people kind of hating on him here. Not me. They went Iowa defensive end A.J. Epenza at 54, and then they went Utah running back Zach Moss at 86. The Bills traded their first-round pick to Minnesota in a deal for receiver Stephon Diggs, so it wasn't a surprise that they used their second-round pick on defender Apenza, I had going to the Patriots at number 23 in the first round, but obviously they traded out because they're the Patriots. He's versatile. He can play anywhere on the line. He can make an immediate impact, and I love that. I can't believe that Apenza 
stayed all the way till 54. I guess people are questioning his work ethic. I don't know anything about his work ethic. I just know what I see on the tape and what I saw on the tape was an absolute monster. So he's, he's fantastic. I love him going to the bills. Moss. I believe they're going to think is going to be the power back that the bills need. They've got Singletary. They're going to use him, but I think they needed a guy with power. So Zach Moss is going to be that guy overall, pretty decent for the bills. The Carolina Panthers have been doing some sneaky good things. I loved what they did day one. Day two, they go Penn State defensive end, Yeter Gross Matos at number 38. And then they went Southern Illinois safety, Jeremy Chin at number 64. If I was going to give a draft analysis for this, if I was going to give it a grade, I'd give them an A. The Panthers needed help on the edge across from Brian Burns and finding gross Matos available early in the second round is huge for them. As Trump would say, huge. He has power. He has length. He can be a factor as a pass rusher against the run. He's good in all those things. So that's massive. He was a great addition. And then chin, he's got a good all around game. He's able to play in the slot at safety it's a big need for Carolina. They needed that. And it's a pretty solid draft for them. Those three picks are no joke. I like what they did. The Panthers are kind of crushing it right now. They're in a division where they're, they can crush it all they want now. They're still going to get smoked. But maybe in the future, you never know. The Chicago Bears obviously didn't do anything day one. But day two, they pick Notre Dame tight end Cole Komet at number 43 overall. And then they went Utah cornerback Jalen Johnson at number 50. The Bears didn't have a first-round pick due to the Khalil Mack trade, but they found a nice talent available in Cole Komet, and they just couldn't pass up from him. I understand that. He can run well for his size. He's willing to drag defenders for a few yards. I'm not sure why the Patriots didn't go after him at all. I thought he would fit perfectly with them, but whatever, to each his own. It's interesting to see Chicago pick a tight end after signing Jimmy Graham as a free agent and using a second-round pick on the position just a few short years ago. They've got 10 tight ends on the roster. (laughs) Chicago must know something that we don't. (laughs) So I don't know what they're doing there. I think it was just one of those things where they saw him there and they said, you know what, Jimmy Graham's not going to last forever. Let's take this guy. Let's see what happens. They then went uh, Jalen Johnson- Could be pretty good value here. All I can tell you about this guy is he plays physical. He's good outside corner. He played hurt in 2019, but he was still highly competitive. And overall, I think that was a pretty decent pick. On to the Cincinnati Bengals. (laughs) The Cincinnati Bengals. My good God. So day one, you go Joe Burrow, of course. Day two. You go Clemson wide receiver T. Higgins at number 33 overall, and then Wyoming linebacker Logan Wilson at number 65. The Bengals are here to let you know that they are coming in 2020, man. T. Higgins, strong hands, body control. Give him a chance, and he will catch the ball. He is a strong downfield playmaker, and Joe Burrow, 
If this doesn't show you that they want to give you weapons, you already got Auden Tate, you've already got John Ross, you've got AJ Green, you've got Tyler Boyd, and now you add this monster? My good God, unbelievable. So the offense is ready to bust, man. I'll tell you that. And uh, not to be outdone, though, they go to the other side of the ball. Wilson, he's athletic. He's tough. He's a good player. He can make plays in coverage. He can make plays against the run. He's, I I think these are two solid picks for the Bengals. The Bengals are looking to become a contender in the AFC. I love what the Bengals did with this draft, and I think they're looking to get it going. Um, Ah, man, the Bengals. I'm fired up for this year. I really hope it happens. (laughs) I really can't wait to talk to Chad, too, about some of these Bengals moves. But, um... Then we go to a team in the division, Cleveland Browns, okay? So day two, they go LSU, safety, Grant Delpit, and number 44 overall. They go Missouri defensive tackle, Jordan Elliott, and number 88. They go LSU linebacker, Jacob Phillips, at number 97. So the Browns picked up a fifth-round pick at number 160 from the Colts by trading down early in the second round and they were still able to land a safety to help their defense. Del Pitt, great at coverage. He has tackling issues, which undoubtedly costed him in this draft and had him fall a little bit. But man, he shares that shit up. He can make plays on the ball. He can be a leader on the defense. I like what he, I like. That pick is huge for them at 44. I like it a lot. The Browns continued to build their defense by going, Defensive tackle Jordan Elliott. I'm not sure if he's going to be a day one type deal. He's for sure going to play behind Larry Obanjobi, and he could develop into a starter down the road, so that's fine. Cleveland then spent the pick that they acquired from Houston in the Duke-Johnson trade on linebacker Jacob Phillips, who met the team's huge need for a downhill inside linebacker. That's a solid pick. Overall, the Browns did what they've been doing in free agency and what they've been doing this whole time, which is they just got a little bit better. They keep getting a little bit better, and they're going to be scary down the road. They might be scary this year. There's no way to really know, but I like what they did. Another team that's going to be scary, the Dallas Cowboys. Day two, they go Alabama cornerback Trayvon Diggs, number 51 overall, Oklahoma defensive tackle Neville Gallimore at number 82. The Cowboys needed to replace Byron Jones. And Diggs is a solid option, I think. He plays physical on the outside. He's not going to back down from any NFL receiver, so I'm fine with that pick. Gallimore adds young depth on the defensive line. He's going to get to do his stuff on the outside while Gerald McCoy and Dontari Poe do all the heavy lifting against the run in 2020. So... The Cowboys actually surprisingly did a good job. I heard that Jerry Jones was going to be doing this draft by himself, so I was nervous for them. But they get that steal at 17. They get CeeDee Lamb, and then they they get they did a good job, man. Get Trevon Diggs. You get Gallimore. Pretty good. So the Cowboys, looking up, man. I think they're going to take that division this year. On to the next team, the Denver Broncos. Day two picks, Penn State wide receiver K.J. Hamler, number 46 overall. Iowa cornerback Michael Ojemuda 
at number 77, then LSU center Lloyd Cushenberry, number 83, and Arkansas's defensive tackle McTelvin Agam. These names, holy hell. So obviously on day one, the Broncos go Jerry Judy. Adding Hamler, that the Broncos offense is going to be making quarterback Drew Luck extremely happy. <laughs> I think their offense is going to bust, man. They're going to be going off. And Ojemuda helped himself in the postseason with his strong performance. He's a strong tackler, and he for sure fills a need, so I like that. Cushenberry will be solid for the Broncos, I think, for years to come. They couldn't have asked for much more value at a position of need, especially at that time. Also, a selection picked up from the 49ers for receiver Emmanuel Sanders last fall turned into Agam, who will step into a defensive line that needed more athleticism and depth. He helps with that. The Broncos had a sneaky good draft here. I like what they did. I like that they're going all out on offense. I like that they made some of these other moves. I'm into this. I, I like what the Broncos are doing. All these teams getting better. There's some that didn't, but so far we're getting it going. The Detroit Lions, they go running back DeAndre Swift at number 35 overall. They go Notre Dame linebacker Julian Aquara at number 67. Ohio State offensive guard Jonah Jackson at number 75. I thought the Lions might be looking for some defensive help early in round two, but they selected Swift. It's tough to fault them for picking a running back like him. They went with the guy that was the best on the board. I don't hate it. It's fine. I look at Carrion Johnson. He struggled with injuries the last two years. So Swift, solid pick. I'm not hating on that. Aquara in the third round was solid value. He could have been a first-round pick if not for the broken fibula that he suffered last season. Julian and his brother Romero, a fifth-year defensive back for the Lions, I think are going to be a strong combination on the outside. And Jackson is a strong pickup in the third round because he's strong, he's durable, he's tough, he can play multiple positions up front. I think bottom line here, the Lions got a lot better. I think that they had a good draft. And these picks, man, if they pan out, Matt Patricia... I don't hate what you're doing. A lot of people are hating on you, but not me. Not big mouth, small words. We got your back. On to a team that I don't have their back. Ted, if you're listening, stop listening, because I'm going to talk about the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> oh, my God, these guys. So bad. So when I looked at what the Packers needed in this draft, I put a receiver, a linebacker, a cornerback, and an offensive tackle in that order. What they did was they selected Boston College running back A.J. Dillon at number 63 overall. They picked Cincinnati tight end Joza Degara at number 94. Now, obviously in the first round, you know that they, they went Jordan Love, which was blew everybody's mind. In the second round, Dylan's a strong back, but they already have Jones. They already have Williams. So they have running backs. I don't love that pick. I don't know why they did that. Degara could be okay, but he has the, the one thing that I that I read on here is it says he has inconsistent hands. 
So when you're a tight end and your job is to catch the ball and you don't do that consistently, <laughs> I don't think I like that pick. So both Dylan and Degara went earlier than I expected. So I questioned the value. Aaron Rodgers must have been punching walls. <laughs> like watching this draft. I don't know what the hell. I don't know what they're doing here. I don't know what they're thinking, but someone's getting fired very, very shortly in Green Bay. That is hilarious. Speaking of GMs that should get fired, let's go to the Houston Texans. <laughs> Day two picks. TCU defensive tackle Ross Blacklock. At number 40, Florida linebacker Jonathan Greenard at number 90. Now, Blacklock is nice value for the Texans because he can play inside or outside. He looked like a first-round pick in many games, so Houston has to be pleased that they could secure him in the second. Greenard was great to get in the third round. He's a good edge rusher, and while not elite in any one particular category, he consistently gets upfield. He's not pushed around in the run game. I think that this met a need for them, and I think that they needed competition on the outside. So overall, Bill O'Brien, you you did things that weren't terrible. <laughs> so good for you. You did better than the Packers did, buddy. Good job. The Indianapolis Colts. Now, all right, this is a rough one because I, I really like what they did, but I also kind of am. This is going to be, let's talk about it. So, USC wide receiver Michael Pittman at number 34 overall. They went Wisconsin running back Jonathan Taylor at number 41 overall. Big pick there. They went Utah safety Julian Blackman at number 85. Now, Pittman is a strong outside receiver who can make plays for sure, but... there were other guys on, on that were available at number 34. You had Denzel Mims. You had Chase Claypool. Both of them went later in the second round. That's the only thing I'm not sure about what they did with this. Obviously, it's going to take time to see if they made the right choice. But they then gave up a fifth-round selection to trade up for Taylor, who is an all-around talent at running back, man. You've heard me talk about him. He's greatly improved as a receiver complimenting his durability, his strength. He's a great running back. He's got great ball security. He's fantastic. So they crushed it with that pick. Marlon Mack and this guy going to go off. So then Indianapolis needed a safety, and they took a bit of a chance on Blackman. We're going to see what happened. He had a torn ACL he suffered last season, but he can ball hawk. He is great. He's Dude, he plays some outside corner when he wants to. He did that earlier in his career at Utah. I like that pick. Hopefully he comes back healthy and that's good. The only thing, like I said, Michael Pittman. I mean, maybe he'll look good on the other side of T.Y. Hilton, but I would have went Denzel Mims there, but we'll see. The John- I'll tell you right now, though, the Jonathan Taylor pick, fantastic. The Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars. So they took the guy that I had going to the Packers, Colorado wide receiver LaVisca Chenault Jr. at number 42, Ohio State defensive tackle Javon Hamilton at number 73. Now going into the draft, I wondered if the Jaguars were satisfied with their receiver depth. 
and it appears they are not. <laughs> Chenault is a force with the ball in his hands. He should turn a lot of Gardner Minshew's short throws into big-ass touchdown plays. They had a lot of needs, and they probably could have done something more with a defensive pick here. But in terms of value, I think Chenault's a good player. I don't mind what they did there. I think it was a good selection. Hamilton then addresses their need for defensive help on the line. He was difficult to move off the ball as a senior. He looked explosive. He looks good against good competition, and that's what matters. So he looked pretty damn good in the senior bowl. I don't mind that pick. A lot of people are trash on the LaVisca Chenault Jr. thing. He's a good receiver. I don't mind what you guys did. I thought you did fine. So there you go. Kansas City Chiefs, the defending champs. Day two, they go Mississippi State linebacker Willie Gay at number 63 overall. Damn it, I wanted him to be a Bengal. Then they went TCU offensive tackle Lucas Nyang. And I'm going to tell you right now, First of all, when I was watching NFL game day and they were talking about the fact that Patrick Mahomes made their first selection for them, that that's hilarious if that's true. Um, and also, I wouldn't fault Andy Reid for, for doing that because if he's going to be playing with the guy, I don't even mind them giving him that option. But that's that. Willie Gay Jr. is one of those guys that might be a boom or bust prospect. He could prove to be fantastic, but he might be trash. <laughs> now, I I wanted him to be a Bengal just because I like his coverage. I like his tackling. But I could see how maybe going into the NFL, it might not translate as well. The other man, I don't know much about. So I'm not going to say much about him. That's just me being honest. <laughs> so hopefully he works out. But I'm not sure. The Chiefs did not pick a cornerback, though, which is a problem given their lack of depth at that position. So personally, I would have went corner there. They didn't. We'll see how all that works out for the defending champs. The Las Vegas Raiders. Let's, let's talk about this. So they went Kentucky running back Lynn Bowden at number 80 overall, South Carolina wide receiver Brian Edwards at 81, Clemson linebacker Tanner Muse at number 100. Now with Bowden, he is an all-around threat. He has a lot of potential as a running back. He's going to give Josh Jacobs some rest from the backfield. He can catch short passes for Derek Carr. I like him there. I like him at number 80. Then Edwards has really nice after-the-catch ability, and he fits as an excellent value in the third round. People have compared him to Keenan Allen. That's pretty good, and it would be great if he was like that for the Raiders. Now, Muse should be a very good special teams player and a backup linebacker and or safety for Las Vegas. He's versatile. He can move around, so I don't mind that pick for them. I think they did a pretty good job there. On to the Los Angeles Chargers. There's nothing to say. <laughs> the Chargers gave up their second and third round picks to move up in the first round for Kenneth Murray, so it was a quiet night for Chargers fans. But Kenneth Murray's pretty good, so you have that. The Los Angeles Rams. 
who I have absolutely trashed for a while, had a pretty good draft. I've got to give you a little bit of credit. All right, Rams? Now, you went Florida State running back Cam Akers at 52. Florida wide receiver Van Jefferson at 57. Alabama linebacker Terrell Lewis at 84. And Utah safety Terrell Burgess at 104. Now, releasing Todd Gurley opened up a slot at running back, and the Rams selected Akers to take it. Combining last year's third-round pick with Daryl Henderson and Akers in the backfield should give Jared Goff a nice pair of backs. Jefferson then provides Goff with some much-needed depth at receiver, and they needed that for sure. They used the selection they received from the Texans for Brandon Cooks to select former Gator, and it will be interesting to see how Jefferson's career compares to that of receiver Denzel Mims, who went two picks later. We're not going to know until we find out, so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt with that. A pretty decent pickup that I loved was Terrell Lewis in the third round. I know he has injuries. I understand that. But he can play nickelback. He can play safety. Getting him where they did, his coverage ability, he was worthy of being picked much earlier in the draft. I think he was a steal here. I think that people are looking at the injuries too much. When you look at how versatile he is as a player, it's worth that pick. So I like what they did. I thought it was decent. On to the Miami Dolphins. Day two picks. Louisiana offensive tackle Robert Hunt at 39. Alabama defensive tackle Raquan Davis at 56. Then you got Texas safety. Brandon Jones at 70. This was a good, not great type of deal for them here. So Hunt is a solid right tackle who was picked much earlier than many people expected, including myself. He definitely has a nasty attitude and he's power. So he could be a longtime starter. He could be around for a while. But Davis didn't offer much production for the Tide last year. He's powerful between the tackles, but I'm not so sure if he was the right move. He was a bit lower on my board, and time will tell. Once again, we don't know. Now, Jones meets a major need for the Dolphins as of their depth at safety, which was severely lacking. He wasn't able to work out at the NFL scouting combine because of a shoulder injury, which might have hurt him a little bit. But he has athleticism, he seems to have intelligence, and he seems to have toughness. So he could end up being a longtime starter. There are some questions with what they did, but we will see. Don't love it, don't hate it. The Minnesota Vikings, I like what they did here. It, it hurts me to say that, but I do. They went Boise State offensive tackle Ezra Cleveland at number 58, Mississippi State cornerback Cameron Dantzler at number 89. I like Ezra Cleveland a lot. I had him pretty high on my board. Actually, the, the 58 is probably about right for him. A lot of people say that he lacks consistency in his technique, but let me tell you something. When you see that much athleticism at that position, I believe that if you find the right coach, a guy like him can be unbelievable. So I like to pick a lot. Then 
Dantzler is a physical player with length. He can be effective outside. He'll need to get stronger in his lower body, though. He has to prove that he has the recovery speed to be a starter. But the Vikings overall, I think, had two pretty solid picks there. So there you go. The New England Patriots. Ugh. You guys aren't going to love me on this one. So day one, I looked at him and I said to myself, okay, they traded down. They got a second rounder and a third rounder. That's a good point. I like that. They then went with Kyle Duggar, 37 overall. Then Michigan linebacker Josh Uche at number 60. Alabama linebacker Aferne Jennings at number 87. UCLA tight end Devin Asiasi at 91. I say, I say, I don't know about that pick. And then Virginia Tech tight end Dalton Keene or Keeney, whatever the hell he is, at number 101. Now, all these people up here are like, Kyle Duggar, man, he's a versatile performer, man. He can work in the box. He can work outside the box. He's tough. He's quick with the ball. Let me tell you something. Bill Belichick sees something that nobody else does. Bill Belichick always sees something that nobody else does. But let me tell you, Bill Belichick, what you don't see that you should. Sometimes you just take the guy that's there because he's better. I don't. You could have got this guy. A lot of people are saying he was projecting the second and third round. No, he wasn't. He played Division II college. No, he played no competition. Don't tell me he was going to get taken in the third round. He wasn't. He was going to, at best, be taken in the fourth round. You didn't need to take the 37th overall. Do you have any idea how many killers were on? They, every, all the experts said the meat of this draft, the meat of it was from 32 down to 50 and you were right in the sweet spot if anything on the upper echelon of that and i hate that pick i hate it i don't like it i don't think he's gonna work and i hate that pick and i'm mad about it i'm just letting you know i'm just letting you know the patriots then traded up to get uche he's an athletic edge rusher who helped meet one of the team's major needs so that's fine Taking Jennings after him means that he can play opposite Uche and Winovich, providing a nice one-two punch on the outside. So all that's good. New England then traded up to get Asiasi to meet one of their biggest needs, which is tight end. Problem is, I had him as the seventh best tight end on my board. And although he's decently athletic, I don't love the pick. I'm not a fan, as I would say. I say, I say, I don't like Asiasi. But we'll see what happens. A big pro to him being good is that everyone could go, Asiasi, oi, 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 Asiasi, Asi, oi, oi, oi. That'd be a pretty cool thing if the, if he worked out. Then they moved up again to pick Keen. The athleticism that he showed at the combine likely bumped him up a round or two in the draft. He's a nice blocker, receiver type. He's perfect for Bill. That one, I kind of understand the more that I look at it. Um, I just wish they went Cole Komet and went with a guy that could be an like, immediate impact. But maybe they're playing the long game. It's fine. The New Orleans Saints. 
They went Wisconsin linebacker Zach Braun at number 74 overall. They went Dayton tight end Adam Trotman at number 105. Now, the Saints needed help on the second level of their defense, and thus they traded up in round three to grab Braun. He's a top 50 talent. He might have fallen due to the diluted drug test that he had at the combine and the fact that he is still growing into his frame. I think he's going to be legit. Now, giving up a 2021 third-round pick to move up 14 spots for Braun will be <laughs> like, you're going to have to pay attention to that later on because that's a lot. They're giving up a lot for that. But New Orleans made another major move late in the third. Now, this is a lot of stuff here. There's a lot of stuff. They traded their fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks to the Vikings for the right to take Adam Trotman. That's a lot. Now, he's an excellent receiving tight end who also gives great effort as a blocker. The Saints went all in on this pick, giving Drew Brees a very worthy target over the next couple of years. The deal used up the rest of New Orleans draft capital, but the team's depth chart is so strong and it's late in the picks. And I feel like they made, like I said, they're in win now mode. So I like what they did. I like it. I think he's going to be good for years. And I think it was a solid pickup for them. The New York Giants, they took a fantastic, legitimate safety in Xavier McKinney at number 36. And then Connecticut offensive tackle Matt Pert at number 99. Now, I had Xavier McKinney going way earlier. I mean, I, I had the Dolphins picking him with their second pick, never mind their third in the first round. So the fact that he went all the way to 36 is nuts. The Giants got a great player there. And then the Giants essentially used their original third round pick on Leonard Williams, who they acquired from the Jets last season and managed to secure some nice offensive line depth in Pert, who can become a useful swing tackle behind Nate Solder and Andrew Thomas. Overall, pretty solid. They got two pretty good players. They're not going to be a great team, but they drafted pretty decent. Can't hate them there. The New York Jets. They finally got their wide receiver, Denzel Mims, at 59 overall. Cal safety, Ashton Davis at 68. Florida defensive end, Jabari Zunga. So the Jets passed on a receiver in the first round. They instead took Mekhi Becton to help Sam Darnold not see ghosts. But they got a great receiver in the second round. They get Denzel Mims. He's the perfect combination of size and speed. Six foot three, 207 pounds, ran a 4.3840. He is going to be legit and he's going to make up for the departure of Robbie Anderson. Now, Davis is an excellent athlete who will cover a ton of ground for the Jets in the secondary. He can play nickelback as well as safety, but he's going to need to show that he can be physical if he's going to deal with the pro receivers in the NFL. The Jets found a solid mid-round edge rushing prospect they needed in Zunga, who I think he's got a good amount of power, and he can at least be a solid rush specialist for the next few years. I'm not hugely sure about him overall, but I like the Mims pick, and I like the Davis pick. So there's that. The Philadelphia Eagles. 
Now, they got Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts at 53. Colorado linebacker Davion Taylor. I like Hurts as a competitor. He will be a plus in any locker room. He seems to be a good guy. Carson Wentz obviously has missed some time over his first four seasons. So getting Hurts is an insurance policy. He's basically going to do his best Nick Foles impression for them. Eagles coach Doug Peterson can help Hurts reach his potential as a pure passer, I think, proving this. I mean, it could be a good pick down the line. They have more pressing needs now, and if you, I think they should have probably taken another player with this pick. But, I mean, if Wentz gets hurt and he figures it out, it's going to be great. So time will tell on that. But an easier pick for them to make that no one can even crap on or say anything about is getting Davion Taylor. He is a sick linebacker. He covers a lot of ground, and he explodes into his tackles. He's going to fit in great with the Eagles. He's very physical. He's very explosive. So I like that pick, and we'll see what happens with Hurts. I almost don't. I really don't hate it. I don't hate the pick because Wentz does get hurt a lot, but we'll see. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they went with a wide receiver. They went with... Chase Claypool, number 49 overall, which means that he is going to be fantastic because any receiver that the Steelers ever pick turns into an absolute monster. So even though I didn't think Claypool could be that great, as soon as the Steelers picked him, I said, well, he's going to be fantastic. You put him on the other side of Juju Smith-Schuster, so they're going to figure it out. Then... With them taking linebacker Alex Highsmith at number 102, he's a great edge rusher. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He's usually able to beat his man off the line. He's good at chasing down quarterbacks. I mean, him actually falling to 102 is kind of crazy. So they got a good linebacker there. He should be pretty solid for them. The San Francisco 49ers. Now, they did nothing. <laughs> so the pass trades for D Ford and Emmanuel Sanders, and then the trade up in the first round to get Brandon Ayuk made the 49ers night pretty boring. So we're not even going to get into that. The Seattle Seahawks took Tennessee defensive end, Daryl Taylor at 48 and LSU offensive guard, Damian Lewis at number 69. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. So the Seahawks continue to improve their defense by picking a long, strong pass rusher in Taylor. He's tough. Pete Carroll's going to like him. There's no doubt. Now, we'll see in time if giving up a third-round pick to move up 11 slots for Taylor instead of waiting a bit longer for Terrell Lewis or another edge player, they might have gone a little crazy there, but whatever. Damian Lewis, they got a guy to block for Russell Wilson? Are you kidding me? He's powerful. He's got pretty good quickness. He addresses a massive, humongous Seattle-sized need. They finally got... They, I can't believe they're going to try to protect Russell Wilson. Unbelievable. So good for you guys on that. You finally did that. Good for you. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They went with safety Anton Winfield at 49. 45, excuse me. They went with Vanderbilt running back Keyshawn Vaughn at 76. 
Now, when I watched that dude Winfield, he seems to make a crazy amount of plays, but I think a lot of people looked at the fact that he's 5'9", and they were like, nah. But if you're a Bucks fan, I think you're going to appreciate his ability to just get in people's faces and just make plays because that's what he does. He's a, he's a machine at making plays. So I like that pick. Vaughn is a solid back who was probably picked a little too early, though. Me, personally, I think they should have went with a pass rusher in the third. But they probably see something that I don't. I mean, for sure, Vaughn has some, he's got some skills. He can be used in a lot of different ways on offense. I just don't think that he should have been picked there. So, like I said, time will tell. The Tennessee Titans. They went LSU cornerback Christian Fulton at 61, Appalachian State running back Darrington Evans. Now, getting a starting cornerback in Fulton at 61 overall is huge. He's a first-round talent. He was taken late in the second. He addresses a critical position of need. Evans will complement Derrick Henry with pure speed in the run game, and I like where they picked him because they needed to get someone they needed Deion Lewis 2.0 they got that he's actually maybe a little bit better and I like what they did I think the Titans had two needs and they filled it immediately and last and probably least is the Washington Redskins they took Memphis running back Antonio Gibson and it's going to be interesting to see how Washington uses Gibson in that offense He's definitely a solid player. He's versatile. He's strong. He's fast. Time will tell what he's going to turn into, but overall, I like that pick. But Washington didn't have a second-round pick because of their 2019 draft day trade for a first-round pick, Montez Sweat. While Sweat could be a good player, it's not yet clear whether that move was worth the price. And the only way we're going to know that is time. So... Woo. We did it. We talked about the day one and the day two moves. I like what a lot of these teams did. The, the Packers stand out to me as being really bad. <laughs> and they really messed all this up. It's going to be exciting now to see the domino pieces fall, like to see where an Andy Dalton's going to go. Um, we actually had Jameis Winston go to the Saints, which was surprising as all hell, but it actually is kind of smart because if you look at what Teddy Bridgewater did, he went there, he had nowhere else to go, backed up Breeze, looked good, and look at what he did. So we'll see what happens with Winston. I still think the Steelers really need to figure out, they really need to get a quarterback to back up Roethlisberger or else it's just, I think it's silly if they don't. So we're going to find that out. We're going to see where Dalton's going to go. I'm excited for the future. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. And, uh, yeah, thank you once again for listening to Big Mouth Small Words Podcast. I'm going to be talking UFC 249 pretty damn soon. I'm going to be talking to Ocho Cinco for sure soon. And uh, everybody just stay safe. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Love y'all.